Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another fast-paced and hard-hitting <laughs> GNT NRL show. And once again, I am joined by my co-host with the most, a man who this week was voted off in unprecedented t- scenes from his five-a-side football team, was told by his teammates, I, we would rather play with four than have you on our team. Gee. Yes, I'm still recovering from that disappointment, but um, I think my limbs will be thanking me. How are you doing? I'm, I'm well. We did have to keep the signing of the new transfer under wraps, though. <laughs> yeah, you did, yes. <laughs> totally secret. Someone flown in, uh, you know, overnight, not on Twitter, no one was aware of it. There was no one waiting for him at the airport. I thought he was Shaq, but it wasn't. It was someone can, else. Can we just start with Shaq? Why yeah. on earth would Albo, <laughs> about the Indigenous voice, what the fuck was that? It was Scott, Scott Morrison-esque, that. I have to say that, fair play to Albo, that was very much out of the ScoMo playbook because we have the captain of our basketball team, Boomers. Who is Indigenous. Uncle, great uncle <laughs> happens to be Eddie Marbo, who happens to be Indigenous Paddy Mills, and somehow... He's not a part of this. Shaq. So I can't say. But Shaq is. The good thing is we'll probably see him on an ad about it. That's about the only thing that we'll see. It was a slow news week for the first time in three years. Unbelievable because Peter Volandis didn't do anything this week. That's pretty much why. You know how I knew it was a slow news week? Yep. Um, for those of you that read Buzz, Buzz Rothfield's column on Sunday, his <laughs> spotted was ex-NRL coach Shane Flanagan at Bunnings at Tarrant Point picking up a can of varnish. <laughs> I'm not even joking, go look at the Sunday Telegraph. That's one of those, even with your creative mind tea, that I couldn't think you'd make that up. It has to be real. The spotted, That's the spotted sorry. Shane Flanagan purchasing a can of varnish. You know what? A good journalist would have found out why he was purchasing the can why? of varnish. Why? That's what I was going to say. Why are you buying the varnish? What's going on? You know what? I think he's buying the varnish because he's probably sitting at one of the verandas about the from the apartments that overlook Shark Park, and he's watching the footy, so he needs to, you know, they're exposed to the sun, so he's got to, you know, varnish up his um, deck chairs. Well, well, it's a good point, <laughs> but if um, rumours are to be believed, he could be the next coach at the Dragons. So let's start there with the Dragons. Yes. I also want to come back to Albo, because I've got some news about Albo. So there is rumours of player discontent. Well, not more than rumours, because the players have actually, some of the players have actually been named. Jaden Sewer wants out at the Dragons. Jaden Sewer wants out of his last two years of his contract. And Blake Laurie is well, another okay. one. There is a lot of people behind the scenes that have turned against Anthony Griffin. And, 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 and well, well, can I just say one thing, though? Those, these players, these journos like Paul Kent that are Anthony Griffin defenders, that come out and say, did anyone yes. see them make the top eight? Do you remember our season preview? If you look at their team on paper, they have a good team. They do. They are underperforming. They have a better squad than some of these other. They are. They were, should have been on the fringe of the eight, they should now be trying to fight for a top eight or top seven spot. They have a decent squad. They had depth. They had experience. They had skill. They had youth. And you know what? They've been average, very average. They have indeed. Mate, he's an old school coach. And I think just the newer generation doesn't, they don't gel with these guys anymore. They need a different way of approaching some of these players. I mean, I just think it's reflected on the field. Actually, you know what? Their whole, their play, their performance is holding up well for so much player discontent behind the scenes. If there's player discontent, I have to say I'll give Griff credit. They, the Dragons have generally put in, but I just think, you know, it's it's a very average and very very um, conservative game plan that he's got. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe. So I do have a few stories to get through. The other the other one, yep. so Saints, good luck for next year. You need to make a decision. Yep. God only knows what you do. <laughs> yes. Now, Albo, we mentioned him at the top of the... Yes. He had a shocking week, Albo. Because yes. not only did he go to Shaq instead of Paddy Mills for the Indigenous voice. Yeah, still can't get over he that. Also, anyway. He also yes. gave Souths a head, heads up with Damien Cook, of course, in COVID protocols. And, of course, with the seven-day rule, he won't be able to play this Friday against Easts. So he, he, let, he let Blake Solly know that there's a national cabinet meeting and the isolation period may be reduced to five days. Now... <laughs> Mate, South have got connections. They, they, one, they've got connections, and two, how is this any different from ScoMo? Except that Albo is a genuine South supporter. This is Albo the fan. The fact that he's now in the Prime Minister, and he's like, hey, South, 
guess what? We might change the rules so Damien Cook will be able to take the field. And Souths are still trying to get to the new stadium, right? Which we're going to on Saturday for the Wallabies game. I've got to pay Albo some credit for sneaking, sneaking that one in. Oh, it's just unbelievable. Like, the footy. Give me Souths a reminder. Like, the heads up. And plus, he probably hates the Roosters, I'd imagine. Well, this, so, so, so Souths came out and blamed the Roosters for not being able to go to the football stadium. I mean, the Roosters, of course, are up in arms, as you would expect, things like that. But the NRL was the primary driver behind the funding of that Allianz Stadium. Can we agree on that? Correct. That's right. Yes, they were. Okay. If Souths don't go to Allianz Stadium, how many teams are playing out of Allianz Stadium? If Souths don't go? The mighty Roosters. And what's their average crowd, G? Oh, the average crowd is far less than it should be. Uh, roughly, do you think? Probably, I would imagine it'd probably be about 11,000. Well, it might be a bit higher than that, but but I I did the numbers. If the stadium cost $850 million and you're yes. getting about 15,000 there at the stadium, yeah, quite an investment for those 15,000 people. Uh, it is. It's, it's not worth for, the investment. 12 games a year. It, it's not worth it. Souths has to play there. And really, it's their traditional home anyway. That's their district. That's if their the region. the Prime Minister is releasing information of national importance <laughs> to Souths before the, before the rest of the country, surely he can let them play out of Allianz Stadium. <laughs> I still can't. It's hilarious. Albo has taken off the Prime Minister hat and put his Souths You know when on. Scott Morrison left that file, Albo, about how he was a Prime Minister? Yes. You should have binned it. <laughs> it's funny, but they have to play out of there. It, it, it makes sense. All right. But don't worry, the Bulldogs and the Tigers will probably try to sneak in Good there. segue to Bulldogs and Tigers. Of course. So the Tigers have bid $7 million over five years for Cam Munster. Now, the interesting thing about this isn't that um, they've bid, they've, they're reportedly in for Cam Munster. The interesting thing is that Tim Sheens has denied it. Of course, Tim, your playing stocks are so full. Why would you go after Cam Munster? Oh, Jesus. Why would you deny this? You, absolutely, this is who they should go after. Now, once they take the first meeting with Lee Hadjipantelis and Justin Pascoe, he won't come. But no, and when, he when won't. he's in Sydney to meet with them, he'll wake up with a horse's head next to him. He probably will. The, the Greek mafia. He will wake up with a bucket of Dondoni um, feta cheese next to him. I mean, look, if you're the Tigers, why not have a go? I'll, Munster's not going to go there, but you know what? Why not? You need. Uh, I agree. You need so I don't think they should deny it either. Talent. You need stocks. So just go out, go for you it. Know, why you not? know who else is going there? Rumored to be in for Cam Munster. So that's the going rate, right? Seven million. It's one point three million at Redcliffe. Melbourne are reported yep. at a million bucks. Yeah. The only other team with enough salary cap room to be in for Cam Munster, according to the paper, is the Canterbury well, Bankstown Bulldogs. Of course. Well, well, Kyle Flanagan is probably going to be let go. So, you know, Cam Munster, the salaries match. I love it. You know what? As a Bulldogs fan, this is fucking hilarious, I have to say. Every week we're like, I'm like, how big is this salary shall cap? We, shall we stay on that theme? Shall we stay on that theme, G? How big is this yeah, salary cap? Yeah, we should. Cap? Yes, go. So, yes, it's massive, actually. So, Ben Hunt is unhappy with the $700,000 a year. Offer for two-year extension from Saints. Okay, fair he enough. He wants eight hundred and fifty yep. grand per annum. So once again, the only team, the the only team, and Phil Gould hasn't denied meeting with his <laughs> agent. The only team with salary cap room to sign both Ben Hunt and Cam Munster is the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. G. Well, I told you, Kyle Flanagan was a massive marquee signing. He's on the big bucks. So, you know, letting Kyle Flanagan go and also Brandon Wakeham, who's on enormous wages. He is on I enormous we cover those wages. Too. So, so let's, let's stay on the Bulldogs cap, shall we? For this oh, week, just, anyway. it is just amazing. Yeah, are we linked with everybody? Like, well, the, 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 is issue, just, is, the issue is, so not a lot of people link that, like, they don't, they don't, Rugby league news is such a day-to-day thing, and when we go to review it, we review it over the whole week. So this is why this yeah. is why it looks so ridiculous because we're the only ones connecting. Yeah, the I dots, was going right? to say, yeah, no yeah, one else is connecting top, the dots. The so, so while we're on the Bulldogs, Tavita Pangai Junior. Yes. is the twelfth highest played player in the competition. Twelfth. Now, this is the thing with Tavita Pangai Junior. I'm pretty sure his salary's gone up during the season. Correct. What sounds correct? Good. No, but he's still got Brisbane kicking in the can for a little bit of it. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. But it's still a lot of money the Canterbury are putting in. Canterbury are putting in the, the vast majority of the money. Uh, that, I think 700 or so probably correct. would be. That's the figure I heard. Yeah. And that would have been probably the amount the dogs are putting correct. in without the Brisbane correct. So contribution. Brisbane are... Co- I've heard around two two fifty for Brisbane's contribution for today. Yeah, that's, that's that makes sense. So yes. he's the twelfth yep. highest paid player in the comp. Yep. And the Bulldogs have been shopping him around for four weeks, clearly to sign Ben Hunt, Cam Munster, Mal Meninga, 
Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, uh, Brad Clyde, Alan Langer. Yeah, Terry Lamb's coming back as well, and Brett Kenny. This is terrible. Between him and Luke Thompson, why would they not? Why would they go anywhere? No one's going to pay the money for these players. Well, no one is going to pay Luke Thompson eight fifty. Well, no one's going to pay Tavita Pangai Junior nine fifty either. He's playing New South Wales Cup. He's been dropped. That's how bad he is. Yeah, for the team running twelfth, that got towelled up. Last weekend against Para. What does that say? What that tells me too is what are they doing where you've identified him as your gun forward? Did you do any research or background research or did you think that you're the team that's going to change him in the way you coach? They picked him up on gigantic money. He's always been like this. He's hot and cold. He's an emotional player. My question player, for you like, is what so, does this mean for Kikau? But what does this mean for Phil Gould? Like why are you throwing away 900 grand on somebody who you're already shopping around after half a year? Fairness to I mean, Phil Gould who's been good, registered right? under... A salary cap for three dim sims and one honey chicken. I mean, I reckon they'll, they'll bring kick out either, but maybe it is dependent on them trying to get rid of these two players. But who would want them? Who's going to pay them that kind of money? Nobody. It's like the Moses Imbai thing. You only get one Tigers in your life. Who's going to take it, take that off your hands? Nobody. And I think it was a gamble of a signing, but the fact they're already shopping him is pretty piss poor on the club. And also, Tavita needs the right coach who understands how to press his buttons. Are you saying are you saying Phil Gould doesn't know how to press people's buttons? Oh, he does, but I don't know if he knows how to press Bagwai Junior's buttons. He's got he's got Cam Serraldo, his puppet, next year, so he'll be able to push. Mate, his what I'm saying to you is, you're linked scenes. to everybody. You've got all the massive salary cap. You're at fifty million dollars. If this goes badly next year, it could be prob- There could be problems because we we do have gigantic money that has been invested in players that we should never have been anywhere close to that amount. No in terms of signing for that amount of money. So it's poor recruitment and poor judgment of players as well. So, you know, if that continues, then what happens? It just becomes a revolving door. It does. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know how. They've clearly found a way to fit all these people in under the salary cap. Correct. The rumour is they are going to drag out the corpse of Dally Messenger next year as well. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Who knows? So the Roosters... In fact, we're going to run out as a North Sydney Bears. Greg Florida. <laughs> well, he's still alive at least. The Roosters have said, hold my beer to Bulldogs. And actually, in a very clever move, because the Warriors paid out Matt Lodge his full contract for next year. Remember, we discussed this on the pod earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah. They're actually going to sign him for very minimal. The rumour is he's going to sign for the Roosters next year on a very minimal contract. (laughs) But the Roosters are still at it. I love it. You know what? In fact, I think... You are in no position to have a go at the Roosters anymore. Oh, absolutely not. No. (laughs) In fact, it's become ridiculous. Anyway... Um, good signing. He's he's been sensational for the Roosters. He's really given them something that they've been lacking, that power through the middle. Because JWH is getting on. I you said know. to you when they signed him that it was a good pickup because they were losing the forward battle through the middle. So good, good signing. And, and given that Melbourne has now upped their offer for Cam Munster to reportedly a million dollars a year, so they're now in the race. That's by Brayton Astor's own admission on NRL three sixty. <laughs> Yeah, of course. My sources tell yeah, me just that six thirty on Monday been night. Been a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yes. So as quick as a flash, Redcliffe go. Okay, well, if Cam Munster doesn't want to come, we're going to turn our attention to Latrell, and Latrell goes. I don't play second fiddle for anybody, which is a great response actually. But there's no way Wayne and Latrell get back together. I mean, Latrell's so happy at Souths. He seems happy at Souths. He's Souths also seem to at the moment be happy to live with his. Lack of training, and that could be because of his hamstring injuries and all sorts of stuff as a disclaimer, but he does seem happy there. I can't see him leaving, and why would he? I think Latrell needs to probably look in the mirror a little bit because he's getting a little bit older. He's still young, but he's still fat and immobile. Mate, doing one or two good things in a game, and then you're out of the game. Having a go at his weight. I know all about it, right? But the thing is, you watch him play for South, and there's a lot of time where he lacks impact. Because he he doesn't have the fitness to stay in the game all the time. Well, I mean that one that one where he was it who was it, who was the game? It was last weekend's game, uh, uh, the the South Panthers game when he when he took the intercept, picked the ball yeah. off the ground and was in the clear. Yeah. He ran out of puff after thirty meters. That's why he That's why he passed to Jackson Paulo because he was going to get run down. Now, if that was Latrell two or three years ago, he would have streaked away or got caught after 60, 70 metres. He got caught immediately, which means he needs to drop his weight and he needs to drop it quickly. When you're not in shape, what can happen is your teammates can vote you off a team. Correct. That's right. So you better be careful because Cody Walker's not going to put up with this anymore. Now, one thing I mentioned in the off-season was, remember, just the week before the kickoff of round one, they changed the match review committee and the rules around suspension. Yes. 
Hasn't that gone well? What with Nelson or so for seven, seventeen charges? This was his seventeenth charge in his career, and he copped a fifteen hundred dollar fine. Oh, fair enough, mate. Honestly, I'm also one of those. You, you treat each incident on its merit. Sometimes some some are accident, but when there's a deliberate pattern, fine. But it's not always the if case. If you elbow someone deliberately in the head, and it's your fifth charge, would you call that a pattern? With Nelson, it is possibly a pattern. Yes. So. Are you just contradicting <laughs> your own argument? No, no, no. But that, that's the thing. With Nelson, yes. But with other players, sometimes it's just... Sorry, a, we're talking about know, Nelson and Sofa Solomon. Should he have been suspended? I think at least a week, yes. So the old rules were more consistent. They, they they have more potential to be consistent, yes. But there wasn't always applied consistency because... Consistently because, you know, the NRL match review committee is farcical. The match review committee now is farcical compared to the old one. The general, your your old fullback. The general Luke Patton is yes. terrible. I would say the general is very much a player's. Do man. you think? Do you think the general is getting <laughs> yes. feedback from the upper echelons at NRL headquarters? Do you think that? Do you think the general is making the decisions, or do you think there's a man in a toga standing behind him? Peter Valandis might be pushing a few extra buttons behind the scenes. As long as Luke Patton's not sitting on his knee like a ventriloquist dummy, we're, we're well. Let's let's keep going because there, there there is actually quite a few good news, like some <laughs> yeah, funny news this yeah. week. Um, let's let's do some of the more serious news. Um, Andrew Fafita, speaking of overweight, Andrew Fafita's last yes. year at the Sharks. He hasn't closed the door on playing another season somewhere else. Aidan Tolman retired after 300-odd games across Canterbury. Yep, one of the most underrated players of all time, I think, Aidan Tolman. And not just the Canterbury stuff, he was a key forward for Melbourne when they were dominant too. So he's, you know, you, you can't play in teams that play in grand finals on a regular basis and B, they're starting prop and play 60, 70 minutes and be a crappy player. No, I agree with that. He just did all the he did all the dirty stuff that, you know, you, the coaches look, love. Look, but everyone's no going to remember knows. Andrew Fafita because of that try in the grand final. But Of course. But powerhouse. Aiden to- powerhouse. I would player. say Aiden Tolman had the better career. Absolutely. Now, he doesn't have the power. No, that, of course not. Um, and uh, Fafita does. And Fafita was more explosive and exciting. And you could see that when he was at the Tigers. But Tolman was... Always the little things, not being put on his back, getting up, quicker play the ball. You could see he was schooled in the wrestling, the storm dojo where, you, you know, you'd see him do the extra wrestle and niggle to slow the play the ball down. I want someone to do Karate Kid but superimpose all the Melbourne Storm players' faces on all the characters. <laughs> Actually, Cobra and Mr. Kai, that's Mr. Miyagi's head is Craig Bellamy. The Mel- Melbourne, yeah, it w- that's actually not a bad idea. It's the Melbourne <laughs> Melbourne dojo. Yeah, correct, correct. Oh, look. Oh. It's Bellamy Do Karate. Yeah, actually, Bellamy Do Karate, I think, would probably work. Yeah. This is what we got taught in the deep, dark de- depths of the Melbourne jungles. They probably have their... That's actually not a bad idea. Netflix, there's a series for you. Yeah, brilliant. Like, look, my dog's barking in the background. Um, now, Ronaldo Mulatalo, that famous Kiwi player, yes. has re-signed. Awesome. Great player. Great winger. Good signing by the Sharks. Well, one down, four to go, right? So let's stay on that... Type of topic. Did you see the footage of Charles Nickel Klockstad? No, I actually yeah. didn't. So he was playing in New South Wales Cup for Canberra. And at the final whistle, it was his last game in Canberra. He went down on his haunches and he basically burst into tears. It was quite emotional scenes. Oh, wow. Actually, that's really... I mean, that's quite... You don't usually see that. So it's it's nice to see it him is. pour out his, his heart and his emotion. And I guess that means, you know, playing for Canberra must have meant so much to him after. He was probably pretty much discarded by that's the, right, but he's going home. the Warriors. So. And I think that's actually good because I think he's got a child with a former partner that's living in New Zealand at the moment. So that was a motivation behind him. And then COVID and stuff. Well, that's hopefully that works out. That sounds like it's a good move for Charles Nickel Clockstead. A, a good player. Very good player. Good signing by the Warriors. Actually, one of the few good signings. Another player that's making a comeback, although not in a playing capacity, is Ash Taylor. He's only 30 yes. years old. yep. He's still, he's still, he's still young. young. He will he's... be playing for our five-a-side team. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's the... That's okay. He'd probably do a better job. He's got great feet, um, Ash Taylor. He is coaching in Toowoomba A-grade with new, the Newtown Lions. So he's going into coaching. What do you think of this? I am going to be fascinated by how Ash Taylor's teams play because I think he was always a kid that was instinctive but allowed to you know, a flair player, plays what he sees type of thing, an artist on the field, right? But I don't think he was ever allowed to play that way. You remember he was always, you have to direct the team around. You have to direct this. You have to direct that. And his best season was with the Gold Coast when he trimmed down, slimmed down, got fit, 
and just played what he saw. And some of the touches the first year was were magic. So it'll be interesting to see if he brings that mentality into coaching um, rather than the sort of stodgy, really one-size-fits-all coaching method that we have for pretty much all the coaches at the moment. It's like a cookie-cutter template, like, you know, you know, paste, cut and paste, and the same shit happens. So it's like this pod. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Except we're funny sometimes, <laughs> and there's a little bit of artistry every now and again. Is this, are you giving yourself a compliment? I don't know. I might be, yeah. Artistic license, I believe it's called. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'll keep going uh, because despite it being a slow news week, there's still a lot of stories to get through. The NRL wants to bring back, the Emperor wants to bring back reserve grade. He has made no bones about this. They've talked about this and they kind of sort of did anyway. Isn't that what the New South Wales Cup? How does Super Saturday work if you've got reserve grade? It's, there's no extra TV yeah, content. Yeah, you right? can't. What no. does it do for the women's NRL? Like, like they haven't thought through the scheduling and all that sort of stuff. And rugby no. league, if for nothing else, is here for the TV. So, and it's, reserve grade isn't going to get more people out to the game. Like we're, we're we're hankering for something that's 25 years in the past. Anyway, I think so. No, from that perspective, I agree with you because I've watched some of the New South Wales Cup, and they're literally there's the commentators there and a few birds, and that's it. But you know, I think the games become so athletic and so physical now that. You know, the days of having an 18-year-old come through and being able to dominate is incredibly, incredibly rare now because rare. The, the training is so sophisticated that you, you're basically, you can't... Unless you're at the Tigers. You know how sometimes you used to have a kid and, yeah, unless you're at the Tigers. But you know how before you used to have a Laurie Daly that would come in with power or Brad yeah. Klein that were just naturally strong? Well, actually, can I tell you, I think Brad Klein is forgotten. Brad Clyde is forgotten as an all-time great. He, he was a brilliant, brilliant player. He changed... He changed the role of 13. Yeah, right. But you look at Clyde. Clyde was a big, heavy guy, very mobile, very strong. But now everyone's like yeah, that. That's so right. I think reserve grade is a good staging process for some of these kids to actually build themselves up physically and then take the next I step. I feel like you're on a current than... affair. I haven't even gotten to the news around this. Okay. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> so despite him wanting to be. Tracy Grimshaw. Yeah, correct. Correct. Well, I think more Ray Martin without the hair. But anyway, okay. the Emperor the emperor right. wants to bring reserve grade back. And, you know, if you want to understand why that's a bad idea, go back and listen to the last 27 minutes of G on the pod, uh, on his pulpit about it. Um, he's pressuring the Queen, the Queensland NRL teams to field teams in the Host Plus Cup. There is lots of pushback from the Queensland Rugby League and from the NRL teams themselves. It is not like the New South Wales Cup where it's a feeder. Comp the Brisbane, it's not. The, new, the Queensland, totally the Host different. Plus Cup has a very, very long history as standalone clubs. Correct, right? Like what he doesn't. I get where he's trying to come from, but the thing is that shows it's just very. It, you know what? It's parochial. It's such a parochial. Spoke. It's parochial. People are involved. People have got jobs. Have been working like you say these clubs for 20, 30 years, forty years. There's a lot of passion and and love for some of the stuff that they do. You know, it's hard to just give it up, and for what purpose? Because Peter Volandis thinks it's a good idea, and it may well be, but it's not going to happen quickly, and it might take a long time. And I wouldn't trust the NRL either, or the clubs for that matter. All right. With some of the stuff that they do, they always do things in their own interest, not the best interest. I don't interest think the Host Plus Cup is the same as the New South Wales Cup. I agree with that. All right. Shall we go to my uh, four favourite stories of the week? Yep, quickly. Yes. All right. First up, we'll stay on the Host Plus Cup. Yep. PNG field a team in the Host Plus Cup. Yes. They have been yes, playing out right. of Queensland for the last three years because of COVID restrictions. Last yes. weekend was their first game now that the borders are open back at home in Port Moresby. They were due to play the Mackay Cutters. And Mackay is not that far from, no, it's from not. PNG. Mackay yes. said they would forfeit the game against PNG. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. Okay, after all the sacrifice. Talk about a parochial sport. My God. So the Queensland Rugby League. How would you feel if you're PNG? We haven't played at home for three years. This is what I like about the Queensland Rugby League. They issued a press release going, we respect um, the Mackay Cutters decision and we will move to exclude them from the Host Plus Cup moving forward. Wow, is it run by Lee Kuan Yew from Singapore? That's like straight up. Straight up. Straight up. We're going to kick you the fuck out of the cop unless you play them. So the Mackay Cutters graciously an hour later came out with a press release saying... We've we've had a change of heart. We've graciously backflipped. And and we will play against the PNG team in Port Moresby. That's actually a good story. Needless to say, PNG won. They won the game. They did. And so they should. 
Yeah, but they've been here for three years, man. At least we could do one of the teams fly up there. What a dog. Yes. Good on them. You can't muck around. That was like when I went to Singapore, and you know, you had Airbnbs. And, you know, in Australia, it's like if you have Airbnb, blah, 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 the fine might be up to 5000 or whatever. Singapore straight up was like... 16 years in prison. Yeah. For Airbnb, the fine is $250,000. Not up to, it is $250,000. I'm like, well, don't fuck around. All right. Good on QRL. Good stuff. All right, let's keep going. So last three stories, my last three favourite stories. Yep. As you know... There is a new football manager at the Newcastle Knights, Peter Parr, who's had a very stormy start to his tenure at the Knights. Yes. Now, Peter Parr has come out and said, I am now implementing, there's a new sheriff in town, and injured players won't travel on game day, so they won't be part of the squad, right? So can they still go to the toilet? Which is fair enough, right, if that's the rule you're going to impose. And then because of their consistency, they allowed Kalen Ponga to travel to the Gold Coast. Jesus, okay. And Kalen yes. Ponga was seen out the night before the game drinking again, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. It was Andre. I think it was conf- people are confused. The other thing that I'd like to say is how long does it take to get a drug test result back? It's been weeks. It's been, it's weeks. been weeks. It's been lost. It's been lost in the mail, you know, because now it's some um, non-contact drug, te- drug tests. Um, but I don't know what to say. I mean, after all the kerfuffle, and all the stuff with his dad coming out and all that kind of shit. Mate, keep a low profile at least for a week or In two. In fairness to the Knights, I don't think they'd release the results of the drug test either way. So they might have already got it back, right? I don't think they should. That could be their, That's their prerogative, right? <laughs> nothing's come of it. There's been nothing afterwards. Nothing's yeah. come of it. And now Kalen's back out there. It must be okay. It must have come back okay. Or he bought another house. <laughs> celebrating, correct. He was celebrating on the Gold Coast for his Gold Coast unit purchase. Correct. Yes, that's right. My second... Favourite story of this week. The US senior season opener next year. Oh, yes, got cancelled. No, it hasn't been cancelled. No, no, it's good that the one piece of news you read this week was incorrect. It's between between Hugh Jackman, who I've been told I look like. Well, he's been told he looks like me, but... um, Of course, I think it's the other way around. Yes, he's been told he looks like me. I walk past, people wolf whistle at me on the street and they say Wolverine. The thing is, his bicep's probably the size of your body. His bicep is the size of my thigh. So anyway. I think so. Yeah. So Blake Solly has pulled out of the season opener. He goes, it's too short notice. We don't know where we're playing. This is a this is a schmozzle. Like, the season no, opener is in like six correct. months. We don't have a stadium. We don't, <laughs> we've got no marketing. We don't know what we're doing. He says, why don't we hold it over for a year so we can do it properly? Which, for once, is sensible in NRL landscape. So the NRL have responded by this by saying, Souths, if you don't want to do this, we are going to find another team with just as much appeal in the United States as Russell Crowe. And that man is Anthony Griffin and Saints. What what of Manly versus Saints? Both teams have missed out in the eight this year, right? Anthony Griffin on the sideline. What is that? How is that going to appeal to the US? Can you remind me? Maybe they think was... he's Bill Parcells or something. Maybe they could confuse him with an NFL coach. I don't get it, G. <laughs> if Souths pull out, why would you go? Why, why does your mind immediately go, oh, I know, Saints. They won an 11 in a row. Surely they'll be big in the US. <laughs> It's just Donald Trump, Donald Trump, but but D- Donald and Anthony Griffin are good mates, and they they big fan, big Saints fan. He's got he's got dragons underwear. Man, the guy tweets anything, so just send something to Donald and say, hey, "I want you to tweet about the dragons." My favorite story of the week. Dino Metatesta. No, he's part of it. So the NRL has criteria for semi-final venues, right? You've got to hold a certain yes, amount. Right. You've got to have toilets that work, facilities, right? And after a two-year upgrade. These pesky toilets. Yeah, yeah, you know, you have food outlets that serve something other than <laughs> yes, seven-day-old food. Yes. And after a two-year upgrade, Shark Park still doesn't meet that criteria. Even if they finish second, they won't be able to host a semi. So Dino got on the offensive. This is the NRL rules themselves. And he's gone out and he said, um, he's, he gave an interview to SEN. And I think it was Matt White. Anyway... He goes, if Penrith's allowed to host, we should be allowed to host. We've earned the right, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, PVL is supportive. I've spoken to Peter. He's very supportive of our views. And naturally enough, the following day, there was a report in the paper that says the NRL is reconsidering its position. 
this has got so many layers to it, this story. One, who does a ground upgrade for two years and they still don't meet the standards? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna spend two years building something that's not up to standard. Oh, we forgot the unit every space we're meant to put toilets and stands, we put units on instead. Sorry. We forgot about the facilities. He's got on radio complaining about the NRL standards. Said the chairman's happy with, agrees with us that the NRL rules are not not right, and then the NRL say, "Yeah, fair enough. We're going to reconsider this decision and give our fans a worse experience." I mean, how does it work? Did he just ring up Peter and go, "Hey, Pete, listen, Uncle Peter, you know, Fior Peter, whatever you want to call." It. I mean, it's, you wouldn't exactly call it the Coliseum, would you, Shark Park? No, it's it's not a bad ground, but it's like. Are there any rules that aren't pliable according to Peter V? He's a law unto himself. Like he basically is. I've decided to reconsider. I love it because he's he's used as a he uses the NRL as a euphemism for I've decided. Correct, correct. We've gone through a proper governance process, and by that I woke up, of scratched myself, have. and decided that Shark Park. Read my emails and decided this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, I love it. In let's get let's move on to round twenty four. First up, it was the Broncos. Burst the Eels. The Broncos did towel us up first time round. This game was at Suncorp. They, they, yes. they towel us up at Bankwest. Now it's at Suncorp. Now, stick a fork in me. The Broncos are done. Their entire four and a game was wiped out in one game. They lost it in one round. In one round. The Eels, well, two rounds, really. They conceded 60 against the Storm the week before. The The Eels were very impressive. Yes, I agree with that. Um, to, to rack up a 53-6 to six win. But you know yes. what the Broncos strike me as? They're just a team that they've done so well, but they've just run out of legs. It's just been too big a season for them, right? I, I think that's right. I think the last two games, I think the Storm and the Eels, I thought the Eels came out on fire and at a really high tempo and they punched through them and then went wide but aggressively and direct. And can I, can I say it was Gutho's best game in months? T, like, you know, usually they swing the ball side to side and they do do that, but a lot of the time they're flat. In this game, they came at them with depth and with yeah, numbers. I agree. And Sean Lane was charging 20 metres. Sean Lane's onto been the playing ball. great down the left edge. Yep, great. And he terrorised that side with his offloads, and they didn't know whether to, you know, get two or three guys in on him or keep him one on one. And Mitchell Moses, once they they started off, and then Mitch Moses hit the aggressive Mitch Moses button when he's just going directly and just, you know, picking holes in the defence, running as well. And I just think. You had Gutho popping up on both sides of the field. They were very aggressive, the Eels, and the Broncos just couldn't cope. It was, they were playing too good, too well, too fast, and it was a good sign. I mean, the Broncos are tired. They're tired. I agree with that. Gutho was amazing. Two tries, two try assists, 189 metres, six offloads, one line break, one line break assist. Like, he was just superb. Can I, Special shout-out yeah. for me. Um, Tom Opacic has become a, um, a try-scoring machine. Yes, he has. Uh, I don't know how he scored that well, try, Well, actually. a special shout-out to Mike Acevo, who gave a perfect kick and looked awful in the process. Yes, it was a perfect kick. But it didn't, I wouldn't I wouldn't, des- I wouldn't describe the kick as natural, though. No, but I, I look, I thought the Eels were very good. I mean, yeah, the Broncos are tired, but, mate, 53-6 to six at home at Suncorp, that was just too much for the Broncos to handle. They didn't switch off. They kept the going Parramatta, which is a good sign leading into the semis, yeah. I think. Yeah, so. Big game this week, Big too. game on Thursday. So we'll come to that in the round 25, well, the last round's preview. So um, next game is, is yeah. another toweling up. It was the Panthers oh, versus the okay. Warriors. Yeah. The Warriors did score first through Reese Walsh. They did. It was a good try. Good try playing through the forwards. I think this is the way you can get at Panthers, right? Is playing that offloading and creativity through the middle, but not a lot of teams chance their arm that way so the panthers won 46 to 12 in the end um reese walsh just woke them up and angered the the panthers oh, with yeah, the try I right so. and they were I like so. they were like how dare you how dare you the impudence coming here the to impudence yeah. of this side <laughs> to challenge us who do you think you are he has eight tries to say fuck you basically <laughs> How dare you come here? I thought I thought Jerome I thought Jerome Luai was good in his first game back, right? He was good. I think he gave them directness for the Panthers. And look, the, the the Warriors did what they've done in a fair few games the last few weeks, where they've scored, they kept it tight for about thirty minutes, and then all of a sudden, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was six all with thirty do you minutes. You think to the go, Warriors like, preseason under Nathan Brown was training for a twenty minute quarters? It seems that way because after about thirty. To 33 minutes, 
Mate, it went from six all to like twenty two to yeah. six, and then yeah. the Panthers just went on with it, and it was just no contest. The crowd was happy. The Panthers kept on coming. They scored tries. Isaiah got one right at the end. But they're shaping in nicely, and it was a good game for Jerome Luai to come back. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Not too hard, but, you know, get his sort of feet wet for next week. So His feet wet. Easy win. Yeah. His feet wet. Getting ready to swim. Yeah. You know, you put your feet in the beach first, and then you go for a swim, right? Okay. Let's move on to... Test the waters. The... Yes. Yeah, okay. Let's... Okay. Well, couldn't you just say test the waters? Okay, all right. Yeah. What are you just trying to prove to the to our listeners that you're 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 clever? I'm up with no, I'm not. Is this another <laughs> compliment for yourself that you're trying to fish into the pod? No, absolutely not. No. All right. Not at Let's all. move on to a game that was actually really dirty. Oh yeah, the storm was and, right. and it's no coincidence that Felice Cafusi was back. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> He was really back. He was really back. Jared Weary Hargraves loved it too. JWH and Nelson had a running battle all night. Uh, the yep. Roosters won 18-14 in the end, and they deserved it. They were the better side. They dominated the Storm forwards. They did. They did. Their speed, Defensively, speed off. You might dominated. call it standing offside all night, but I will call it their line <laughs> speed in defence. Their line speed. Was yes. fantastic. It was fan- the enthusiasm was fantastic, but um, they did have a. It was a double AMA it, park. It, it seemed a little bit short. Yeah, and the ten meters was three meters at times. Non-existent, correct? Yes, it was. A lot of incidents from this game. Cam Munster also elbowed Sam Walker. Good tries. Um, it was a real consistent team effort, I thought, from the Roosters, rather than having one like like having Teddy carry them over the line or whatever, but their forwards were superb, right? Yeah. You know, that's a good way to actually look at this game. I thought that the team as a whole was very consistent and everyone played their role really well for the Roosters. I I couldn't look at that game and say, oh, this guy was head and shoulders the best player. It was a very Roosters performance, like like from the old days, right? And Cam, can I say Cam Munster was dead quiet. They kept Cam Munster really quiet. I love Cam Munster, right? Yeah. But in the big, big, big games against the big, big, big teams... No, he doesn't go missing. Does he go missing no, a little no, bit? You don't no. think so? Not missing in terms of effort. No, no, he doesn't. But is his impact not as good as we no, think it no, is? No, no, it is. Just you can't base it on the Roosters game. Yeah, yeah, no. He does it at state of origin level. He does it at grand well, finals. Well, he went missing against Penrith as well. Well, mate, Ryan Pappenheisen won in the last grand final and with no Ryan impact last. No, oh, but Cam, it's not like he went missing. It's not like he went missing. In the grand final. No, no, he doesn't go missing. He, he doesn't I mean, he's, he's, he's coming up to I, King I suppose... Wally's record of most man of the matches in State of Origin. Like, no, I don't think he goes missing. No, not missing. Missing is a harsh word, but I like his impact isn't as big as you They're better think. teams, That's, G. They're I better teams. Of course the impact That's different. what I'm saying, right? Because in this game, I thought you saw the experiment of, oh, he's better at fullback was all bullshit because they were playing against crappy teams. They actually need him at 5'8", and they need a speedy guy at fullback. That's how Melbourne's system works, and it always has worked that way. From Billy Slater to Robbie Ross. This week, Nick Meaney was the fullback. He wasn't. He played at 5'8". He did not play at 5'8". Cam Munster. Well, from what I Cam saw. Cam Munster is playing. Remember what I said? The number doesn't matter. Hybrid. Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, so he's he's slotting into 5'8 that when, that when they're attacking 30 metres out, 20 yeah. metres out, and then he's a fullback to catch the ball and run. Okay, Look, well, I think they're missing that depth when they got that fullback coming. But 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 the actual what I'm pace. saying to you is when they're attacking the, the the player around the back isn't Cam Munster, it's Nick Meaney. He's the fullback in that position. Yeah, well, I thought the Roosters shut them down. He did, they did, they did, easily. they did. Can, can I can I give some credit to Trent Robinson because what he obviously did yeah. is he watched how Cam Munster played in that hybrid role yes. over the last few weeks, and he's actually he worked out a way to stop it. The storm only got through because. The weight of possession eventually. They nearly won it right at the death. Well, T- Teddy pulled off an amazing tackle to stop the game, stop the the win from Kenny Bromwich. Held him up somehow. The ref sends that up as a try. It would have been confirmed by the bunker. It was inconclusive, right? It was inconclusive. The video ref was inconclusive. Very hard to tell, but I thought the Roosters were great. I thought Joe Suwali was fantastic. He was. And isn't it weird seeing Xavier Coates petrified of someone else who's actually taller than better the yeah. highball, which is unbelievable if you think about it. But I just thought the Roosters had their measure in defence. And if there's one criticism, I think Craig Bellamy is an amazing coach. There's one criticism is when his plan A doesn't work in these big games, they never have no, a plan No, no, I don't think it's, they don't have a plan B. We spoke about this a couple of seasons ago. The, the Storm are at 95% every single Correct. week. Correct, yeah. 
Yes, they are. But but it's every single week, whether it's a grand final or week one, they're at 95%, right? They're always, they're, they're brilliant. They're like a machine. The, the, the problem are. is when they move to the finals, they're still at 95%. And if teams lift their game the above them, like the Roosters up. were at 97%, yep. right? Everyone's doing their role. Yep. Their line speed was great. They, you know, they really had a good game plan. Yep. But they do sometimes struggle to break that down. I understand. I understand what you're saying. But I just think their ceiling isn't as high as a team. They, what they have is a very, very high level of consistency. Agree, but that, and I think that's what happens when that get, that breaks down. They don't know what else to do. Whereas some of these other teams try something else. But they're very way, structured. I think is what you're trying to say, and they are very structured. They've always have been though. They always have been. But even under Chris Anderson, they were very structured, right? Brett Kamali had a different yes, flat were. attack. Like they're you, they're, they're a club that almost runs it like an NFL team, and they have for, since their inception basically. And I mean, how do you view from your game plan that wins you just about every game? You that's play? right. Like, that's you know? right. So it's easy to say, but. Uh, but they do. That's their one flaw. But you know what? Roosters really, for me, defensively very important. Fuck, there's some big games this defensively weekend Defensively very good. Defensively yeah. superb. All right. Let's move on to Shitty Saturday, which really lived up to its name. First up, oh, first up, the Raiders ran up a scoreline, a cricket score against the Seagulls, including going at more than a point a minute for the first 28 minutes. In the end, it finished 48 to 6, and Manly were lucky to get the 6. They completely dominated this game and then stuck their cue in the rack. Pretty much. Look, I mean, what is it to say? Manly's given up the season. Their players are in and out. The, the the thing is, I thought they held on for about 15 minutes and then once the Raiders repelled one of their only attacks, they just gave up. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and it was just... You know what I mean? Like, when they scored that length of the field try, Manly was on the attack. They're getting themselves back in the game. Once that went against them, they just gave up totally. And end of season... All gone wrong. But the Raiders, massive win, really important for four and against, and they snuck into the eight somehow. Well, can I just can I also just say someone who's been copping a lot of grief off me because he can't tackle, but has been playing quite well against these poor teams, is Jamal Fogarty. He has. He's actually playing pretty well for the Raiders. You know, but in this game, I just think the Raiders, they were enthusiastic. And whenever they made a break, they had numbers. But it was like a procession. It just was... You know what I will say about the Raiders, though? Even in a win like this, they do miss a lot of tackles. They're a team that misses a lot of tackles, yeah? They've got flaws in the middle because they're not as mobile as some of these other teams. So they can be caught out in defence a fair bit. But they've got another easy draw this week, too. They do. So, you know, in theory, they they should... Seal that um, number eight they spot. They should. It'll be whoever want, doesn't want the role right, basically. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, the Bulldogs versus the Sharks at Shark Park. And it was the Bulldogs channeling their greatest ever coach in Dean Pay. Uh, it was 16-0 in a game of football I hope to never, ever see again. Oh, Matt Moylan is the only thing I'll say. He has been playing out of his skin. Matt Moylan, it's good to see him back and he's playing well. There, there's the an Sharks. argument that Sharks Matt Moylan won. might have. This might be the best form of Matt Moylan's career. Not not in terms of the peak, but in terms of the consistency. That's actually something to definitely consider. That That's actually a good call. No, but Sharks too good and the Bulldogs back to their boring. Like, what are you trying to do? Win on percentages again? What happened to the exciting football and you've got nothing to lose? At least do that. Well, they're waiting for next year when they when they, when they they when they bring together the hybrid early 90s Broncos and Canberra team together. Correct. That's right. So, look, terrible game. I will ask terrible. you a question. Wade yeah. Graham's been back now for a little while. Yes. I would describe him at best as ineffective. Yeah. Do you put him on the bench? Is his career over? Or do you drop him? I think he's getting close to it. He's been around for a long time, Wade Graham. He's a good player. 274 appearances so far and counting. He's He never was the fastest bloke in the world. He reliant very much on his skill. He's only 31, play. though. He's not, hasn't, he turns yeah, 32 after his body's slowed down. He's had a lot of injuries, and the game's gotten quicker. He's more a change-up guy like from the first, bench. The first up, in. I thought, oh, it's, he's injured and he's just working his way back in. But it's it's been many, many weeks, and he's really ineffective out there. He's functional. He's a functional player. In fact, I would play him as a prop off the bench if, if he can handle that role because oh, he's, be a he's small still he's mobile enough for a prop. But, mate, Ruben Cotter does the job for the Cowboys, you know. It gives him mobility, but he's nearing the end of his career. You can see it. He's struggling to keep up a little bit at times. I just wonder, instead of the second row, whether you move him to lock. Get him tighter. He can kick. He's a ball player. He can, he's big enough that he can hit. Yeah, you know what I mean? I just wonder, is he, is he a lock now? That might reinvigorate his career and get him off the edges. He's not. He's not. He's not elusive enough, and he's not quick enough for the edges. He needs to play tighter, and I guess that's what I was getting at. They're trying to give him space. Middle. I get it because he's, he's a ball playing. You know, he grew up as a five eight, right? Mate, play, unless but, you have yeah, but unless you have ultra fast people around you, which he does on the edges, he's just ineffective. It's just not working. 
And it's not his team anymore. In the old days when they won the title, he could call for the ball and get it any time. He's got Matt Moylan and, and, and Nico Hines there. They're, he he gets third choice ball. So now if you think about yeah, it's it's a good point. I reckon more lock roll would suit him, a more middle forward lock roll like a yo. That's right. At this stage. He's not gonna bust tackles and step past people in the fringe anymore. That's right. All right. Let's move on to the last game of Shitty Saturday. And this game was disappointing yep. for me. It was Souths versus yep. the Cowboys. Souths got up 20 not to 10. Game. I thought it was a poor game. Poor game by both sides. But one thing I do want to call out is I thought Souths' defence was... Okay, let me ask you a question. Was it Souths' defence or was it the Cowboys' ineffectiveness in attack? I thought the Cowboys were very poor in attack. So you don't think it had anything to do with the Souths' defence? I think Souths' defence is a better standard. But I do think South also misses a lot of tackles. And in some of the other games, you could see that their defense in the middle was not too bad. But I thought the Cowboys were poor because they tried to play conservative football. If you notice, the first try towards the end of the game where they started throwing the ball around, they started testing South's defense. And they're making inroads. But it's it's all these teams that all of a sudden, inverted commas, play a semi-final style of football. But it takes them away from what they're good at. The Cowboys are good because they're aggressive in attack and they run at you, and they go at you. The one time they did with drink water and the hammer, they scored a try. But outside of that, they kept it tight and tried to play percentage football, which isn't their strength. They've been beating teams because in attack, they've been going for it. Offloads, run-ups, you know, like um, playing off offloads, throwing the ball around, Peter Hiku appearing on both sides of the, the field, stuff like that. And I think that was totally missing against South, and it was easier for South's defence. So South's defence was solid. But I don't think the Cowboys really gave them anything that was too hard for them to Fair enough. Can I make two comments? Kyle Felt's try with the kick, brilliant, down the right edge. It was a brilliant, brilliant try. A great try. That took him until that time to start throwing the ball. That's, well, and even that was just, it's a one in a million, right? One in a million. Yeah, it was a great, great try. <laughs> great try. One person we're not talking about enough, Cam Murray's getting a lot of the headlines. Cody, obviously, Latrell is soaking up a lot of the headlines for Souths. Kaloa Matangi has been fan-bloody-tastic this year. Kolo Matangi in this game was fantastic. No, his season, his whole season has been, he should be playing Origin. He finished the season last year and I thought he was the best. I, I think I was a bit premature saying he was the best second no, It wouldn't be the first time you've been accused off. of being premature. Yes, that's right. Um, but he's been sensational for South. He's creating all their danger, the power. He, he's terrorising the defences both inside and outside. Offloads and beating tackles. Great player. Tries. So, and tough. Tough, tough, strong. It's like looking into the a mirror. The try he scored was great. Oh, it is. The line he ran was brilliant to come back on the inside and great try. But look, the Rabbitohs, it was a good win. Confirms them in the semis. But I didn't think the Cowboys played to their level. They played a different style of football. Oh, it's for me, for me, the Cowboys are in the same boat as the Broncos. Not as bad, obviously, but I think it's a long season where they've overachieved. It is. I mean, they've come from pretty much, you know, running last to like second. Yeah, correct. It's a gigantic turnaround. It's a massive turnaround. All right. All right. Let's move on to Super Sunday. Yeah. Um, first up was the Tigers versus the Dragons. The Tigers were the better side. Dragons won 24-22, and the Tigers absolutely bombed this game. Can I say that? They bombed, the Tigers. bombed this game. Four minutes to go. They forced the dropout. The Dragons have a dropout. They obviously have to go short. The dropout doesn't go 10 metres, and poor Junior Pauga, for some reason, is standing the inside the 10, and the ball hits him. That wouldn't have gone 10 metres anyway. It would have been a penalty for them under the posts. They would have been able to kill the time, kick the goal. They would have been up by six. It was 22-18 at the time. Hits him. It's a penalty the other way. They, 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 they The next set they score, and Zach Lomax with a great no-look pass, but then also converts yes. it. And then they get the penalty at the end to win the game. With the high shot on him. And then the racial slur, of course, wasn't great. I don't know whether you saw that. What do you say? This, does this sum up the Tigers' season all around? Like some great performances interspersed with just terrible football. Like Saints scored tries. with Their goal line defence was so bad. Kapoa, and Kapoa was just... Oh. And Kapoa, that was such a high hit on Zach Lomax, right? At the, like they bombed I it. Mean, Eight points in five minutes, right? What are you right? thinking? The gap was gigantic. Saints scored, like it was a huge gap on the line when the game's, you know, you want to win the game, but that's been the Tigers. This is the this problem year. with the Tigers, though. This was the problem last year as well. They can get to about 18 to 22 points. Their problem is they can't, they hold, they the can't team out. hold the teams out for 80 minutes. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, they bombed that game totally. totally. I, I actually think this whole season's been mismanaged by the Tigers. Mate, what was the, what was the point of getting rid of Madge when they did? 
They could have got rid of him at the end of the season. What was the bloody point? I have no idea. You can still announce Tim Sheens, but you're putting Brett Kamali in this position. Like, what What the hell is going on there? It's run, I think, the way they're running their club needs to be reviewed. Clearly, I think clearly. Pasco and Hadjipantelis have been there for a long time, and it just lurches from one disaster to the next, really. Why aren't the members calling for their heads? They can't even get the decal right in their centre of excellence. I don't know. I don't know. My question for you is, who is Benji going for, given he won a premiership with the Dragons? I don't know. I'm not sure. He was out the back having a kebab with the rest of his high-performance team. Probably. Probably was. He probably was. Robbie Farrow, even Robbie Farrow. But, you know, the last two games was decent football because i got nothing to lose. So I'm throwing yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Well, I thought both games on Sunday were good to watch, actually. Yeah, it actually good to watch the Titans. We can talk about the next game, the Titans. Thirty. Well, first of all, Titans thirty six, Knights twenty six, and the Titans got. You know what I love about the Titans? No matter how big the lead is, no matter how far they're in front, the other team is never out of it. Never out of it. No, they could be down thirty changed. points with three minutes to go, and somehow the Titans will find a way to let. Mate, that some lead. of those games last year where it was like thirty two eight at halftime, then they end up losing the game is just like mind boggling. But in this game, I just thought the Knights were unlucky to play the Titans when they got nothing to lose, and they threw the ball around. You had Fafita on well, they fire, did. They, Firma well, on Brian fire. Kelly got sent off for a lifting tackle, and that changed the game, obviously. And then it was all the Knights over the last half an hour. The damage right? had been done. The damage right? had been done. You had um, Jaden Campbell having a good game, and Alex Brimson just taking the game over at times. So I just thought they had too much firepower. I mean, it was 36-14 when he got sent off and they, they conceded two converted tries with him off the field. Dane Gagai scored both of them. Dane Gagai's had a terrible season. He scored season. both and let in about seven he was, tries. He's been terrible. He was, he's been terrible all season. <laughs> he was dreadful. But, but without his opposite there, Brian, Brian Kelly torched him all the day. And then, and then Brian Kelly's not there and he's just running through the gaps to score. He's running through gaps to score. So he looked far better than it was. But, you know, it was actually an entertaining, entertaining game, game to watch. But the Titans, entertaining game. too much firepower. Too much So it will take a minor miracle now for the... Well, I, I can't see it happening for, for the Tigers not to get the wooden spoon. And the Titans has... We both tipped them to finish in eighth position. They, they're going to finish second last. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Shall we move on to the preview of the last yes. round? Of, yes. Now, we are doing this without the team list in front of us, and that's going to be a big... That's okay. Yeah, it is going to be big because there's going to be a lot of plays out, which is usually the case. So, so. First up is the Eels versus the Storm on Thursday night at Combank Stadium in Parramatta. The Eels are $2 outsiders, and the Storm is $1.80 favourites. The line on this one is... Uh, uh, para one and a half. It almost doesn't count. It's a penalty goal, right? Is the difference between the teams there? Yep. So, how are you seeing this one? Both teams are at full strength. I, this is this game is incredibly hard to pick. I don't really know. I think the Storm torched the Broncos, but so did Para. I thought the Storm were well held by a Roosters defence that was enthusiastic and offside, but the Roosters did a great job. Just as as we're talking, as we're talking, it's now dollar ninety each. The late money's on Para. It is pretty much like that. I'm going to tip Para mainly because I just think they were on fire against Brisbane, and it's like, okay, well, this is an opportunity to sneak into the top four. Have you got what it takes? I'm not. I have no idea who I'm going to tip in this game. But it really is. This game could go anyway. I look. I think Para. If they play through the forwards and play skillful football, they will beat Melbourne. If they try to play a conservative brand of football, I think Melbourne will get on top of them and pull away. I from think them. it's better for Para to lose this game. If you finish Fair fifth, okay. you play the Raiders, and that means the Storm are fourth. Which yeah. So the Storm and the Panthers Penrith. hammer each other, and then you play the loser the following week. It's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, you <laughs> play the loser the following week. So I would much rather do that than face the Panthers first up, and then and then face the and then face the Storm after they played the Raiders. So I honestly. This is going to test. Is Brad Arthur going to change the way he coaches? No, he won't. Is he Dude, going to go le- le- Leopards, Leopards. He'll Brad Arthur will play sixteen man football, conservative footy. This is going to be a twelve ten game. Probably, yeah. So if that's the case, if that's the way they play, I think Melbourne will win. The the Eels have got to challenge them, and if they don't, Melbourne will win. All right. Speaking of um, challenging, 
a blockbuster oh, match between the Bulldogs and the... This game is so hard to pick because they're both, like, basically don't give a Correct. shit. Correct. Who <laughs> wants it less is this... This is a... This it's is, basically... I don't know who to Who pick. wants it less? The Bulldogs versus the Seagulls? I can't say that I am going to watch this game, G. The Seagulls are $2.60 outsiders and the Doggies are actually favourites. And, of course, they're playing at their sixth home ground, which is Acor Stadium. Yes, they are. Um, and they... the In this game... The Bulldogs, oh well, the Sea Eagles have got six and a half points start. I think the Bulldogs will get this. I think the Bulldogs have got, it sounds weird, but probably a little bit more to play play for. I don't think the um, Eagles, of have, I don't leading. think the Eagles have won a game since the Pride jersey fiasco. No, they haven't. And Tavita Pangai Jr. is on the bench and he'll be probably really angry because they're shopping him around. So he might have one of his Tavita Pangai Jr. games. And I think Addo Carr will match up incredibly well against their wingers. So with a bit of space, I think, um, you know, I, I think Manny will struggle to contain them defensively. The one watch out for for me is on the fringe. If Braden Burns is matched up against Cooler, but I think he's actually up against Brad Parker, I think that's a mismatch. But I think they are on the opposite sides of the field. So Aaron Shoup should have enough strength to handle Cooler. If he was against Braden Burns, the way Braden Burns is going, it, it, it You'd be better off having a turnstile there than Braden Burns. Basically. So I'm tipping the Bulldogs this week. Okay. There's some tough games to pick this week. Jesus. There is. The next next one is Roosters well. versus Rabbitohs at the opening of Allianz Stadium. Roosters are $1.80 favourites. The Rabbitohs are $2 outsiders. It's very close. They've, the, the Rabbits have only got a one-and-a-half-point start. The Rabbitohs have had the wood on the Roosters the last... Like they've hammered them the last four or five times they've played them. They have, yes. I, I, this is another one that's a pick em for me. Closer to kick-off. I'll see what the teams look like. I can't tell you who I'm going to go for. I'm tipping the Roosters. I thought they were really impressive. Against... Yeah, but they might rest all their players. That yes, that's no a matter. No matter what this happens, is, is it's kind of these teams are kind of locked into sixth and seventh, right? That's yeah. in the balance of probabilities. So I'm tipping. I, look, that's right. I'm tipping the Roosters though. I think they've, they they're too good. I think Tass and Paulo in the centres don't match up well with Hutchinson and Manu, and South don't have an advantage other than Alex Johnson on the wing. So outside of that, I think – and the Roosters have been ultra-impressive. Lodge has added power that they needed. They've still got their mobility. Um, so I'm, I'm tipping the Roosters. I think they'll win. All right, let's move on to Shitty Saturday where you've got the Warriors versus the Titans first up. The Warriors are $1.54 favourites. Another who gives a shit Two, game. yeah. <laughs> the Titans are $2.50 outsiders. The Titans have five-and-a-half points start. It's the last game of the season. They're at home. They've been dreadful all year, both teams. This is for who finishes fifteenth in the comp. Am I? It's a massive game. <laughs> am I? Am I? Am I? Strange to think that the Titans have a chance here. No, I think they do, and I think when the when they're free to play their football, they're a far better side. I thought they were impressive in attack against the Knights, and the Warriors' defense is a bit hit and oh, miss. Oh, really? We've seen so. Yeah, I. You know what? I'm going to tip the Titans because I think if they come out to play footy. Even though it's in New Zealand, I think they'll beat them. But that's a huge – you don't know. I really – it's 14th versus 15th. I, and, again, I can't say that I'm going to watch the game. Well, I'll be moving my mother, so <laughs> I won't be watching the game. So you probably We're not going to watch any of these games, right? We're going to be at the – we're going no. to at the Wallabies. So, all right, next up yep. is the Dragons versus the Broncos. So, the yep. Dra- well, this is an interesting one, right? It's 9th versus 10th. Dragons are $2.35 outsiders, actually, even though it's at Cogra. The Broncos are favourites at $1.60 despite the last two weeks' results. The Dragons have three and a half points start. I think the Dragons will get them. I'm leaning towards the Dragons, but in a way... Why did we leave our joker for this round? I don't know. This is the worst round ever, but I'm tipping the Broncos only because they've got more to play for. They need to win. They have to win yeah. and put the pressure on the Raiders. But, you know, form-wise, Dragons have been sort of solid and Tevita Amon is started to really be aggressive and find his feet more. So that's added something to the time, to the Dragons. So, or Talatau, I should say. Uh, I don't know, a tough game, hard game to pick, very hard. Yeah, okay. Well, the next game is less but hard to pick. I'm tipping Brisbane. You're tipping the yeah. Broncos, oh, yeah. yeah. The next game is less hard to pick. Cowboys at home versus the Panthers. Cowboys coming off that loss against the Souths. Cowboys are a dollar. The Cowboys will win this game. I agree. I can tell you now. $1.15 favourites, $5.50 Basically, Panthers outsiders. And yeah. the Panthers have 19 and a half points start. I think the Cowboys will win this. Yes. The Cowboys will win because there's dudes like Thomas Jenkins that are named <laughs> and Eddie Blacker and Jack Cole. And I think <laughs> we are on the bench. We're in the reserves group. Start the reserve, reserve halves pairing of G and T. <laughs> rested everybody. Yeah. They basically rested everyone. 
So the Cowboys will be going to bring back Roy Simmons to play in this game. They <laughs> will. May, may as well. And MJ, MG. All right. Let's move on to the Sunday games. First up, it's the Knights versus the Sharks at McDonald Jones Stadium. I love the Newcastle fans. There'll be 50,000 of them there, even though the stadium only has 20,000. There will be. Knights are $5.50 outside. And we don't make fun of them. They're great they fans. They are great fans. Sharks are $1.15 favourites despite playing away from home. And the Knights have 18.5 points start. I think the Sharks will win this. Yeah, I think they'll win. You know, um, they, they, they'll, they need to win this game. You know, they'll confirm their top four position. They're probably going to end up in second or third. They might get a home semi, according to Peter Volandi. So, yeah, Sharks for me. All right. And the last game of the season, and if the Raiders win this by more than the Broncos win, or if the Broncos lose, then they lose by less than um, the Broncos lose by, then the Raiders will be in the eight. It's against the West Tigers. It is at Leichhardt Oval, um, the, the ground that should actually be closed because of danger. Um, the, the Tigers are three dollars fifty outsiders. Raiders are a dollar thirty one favourites. The Tigers have eleven and a half points start. I think the Raiders will win this. Raiders will win, and I think they'll win comfortably. I agree. All right, they need to. Well, that that brings us to the end of another GNT show. A quick one this week. Do you want to tell our listeners about your married at first sight application that I put in for you? I uh, will. When I'm on the show, I'll talk about. Will it. you? Okay. All right. Well, yes. thank you once again for joining us, G. Goodbye. See you next week. See you, buddy. Bye. 